Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, I am so here. We have just, this is going to be one of the best shows of the year, and I'm happy you're here because in a few minutes we got Janet Fletcher. She is just one of my absolute heroes. She has been writing about food. She has really changed the conversation in America about food, and she's here we're going to talk about California cuisine with her in relation to her new book, Wine Country Table. Her book doesn't explicitly talk about that, but I feel like no one has really been on the ground to talk about that particular evolution of food, the way Janet Fletcher has been. And, and I just have some questions, but I also have questions for you. And those questions are, what are you cooking? You know I want to hear about this. It makes my day, 81807. I got a lovely, long, direct message on Facebook last week about uh, someone's journey with their green egg, <laughs> kind of related to somebody had texted in and say that they were cooking a pork sh- uh, shoulder in their green egg. And uh, anyway, I got a, a lovely personal essay. So also, you know, if you want to sh- send me a personal essay about what you're cooking, you got time. If you're a fast typist, I'll, I'll read that with joy. But anyway, I want to know what you're cooking. Who's who's trying out Easter breads? I got none last week. I know you're out there. You just don't want anyone to know. Um, I also, very interested, what are you doing with seeds? My parsley, I gave up on it. It's not doing anything. My little egg carton parsley. I have transferred everything to mammoth sunflowers. Uh, got a sad situation where the bunnies ate an apple tree over the winter. I guess they got up high enough. Long story. Boring. A long, boring story in which I don't have an apple tree at the end of it. So I'm thinking I'm just going to cover that part of the world with giant sunflowers, which will be a boon to finches. I don't know. What are you doing? What are you doing with your seeds? I was in Broder's Cucina the other day, and they had this whole rack of Italian seeds. Maybe I should just, you know, give up on American beets and go to Italian beets. Maybe that's where this is going to go. I don't know. I want to hear us. 81807. And now, now, my friends, we have a main event of, I'm just like a little bit, just got this like thrill of adrenaline. Janet Fletcher is one of my absolute food heroes. She was once a cook at Chez Panisse, and then she became one of the just best recipe developers and food writers in this great nation. And she's done more to articulate the importance and kind of moving forward this discussion that we have been having for 20-odd years about American cheese. I don't mean American cheese like the plastic wrap singles. I mean American cheese like the art of cheesemaking as done in small American cheesemaking operations. And I am not going to list all her awards and accolades because she you don't have all day. Uh, but she has this new book. It is called Wine Country Table with recipes that celebrate California's sustainable harvest. And I just love it. It, it landed on my desk uh, and I, you know, I, I signed up to interview Janet long before the book was released because I was like, oh, anything Janet Fletcher does is good with me. But then it landed on my desk and just to see the portraits inside of fig growers and olive growers and see sort of how she's knit together all the farmers of California in this just really good way. 
I'm just, it's such an honor. All right, Janet Fletcher is on the line. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dara. What a nice introduction. I am just a huge fan. I I love everything you have done. We'll talk about Wine Country Table, but first, let's kind of back it up because I feel like I have a rare opportunity. Tell me, you know, California cuisine, you have just been there from the the first baby steps, right? You've watched this whole come, thing come together. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, 35 years ago when I was a young cook at Chez Panisse, nobody was talking about sustainability. That was just a word nobody knew. And I actually was uh, cooking on the line there next to a young woman who was really getting involved in that movement. And she would, at night, when it kind of slowed down late at night and we'd have a chance to talk, she would talk to me about this word about sustainable agriculture. And I had no idea what that meant. Now, you know, fast forward 35 years, it's uh, a concept that I think a lot of people are familiar with, even if they don't quite understand all the the details. That's really a strong theme of the book, of Wine Country Table, is to to showcase uh, the sustainable practices that so many growers are really engaged with these days. Yeah, because in California... You don't get a lot of rain in the summertime, right? That's what's, you know, that was, I feel like it was the most obvious uh, difference between Europe and uh, North America is that we don't have the same rain patterns that France and Italy do, but we were trying to do French and Italian things. And and so it's taken a while to just kind of get our heads around the fact that we have to use water differently, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, We've had a good year this year with rain, but typically we are in drought conditions. And so whether you're growing avocados or growing Cabernet Sauvignon, your chief concern is getting enough water. And uh, I have been really impressed as I did this sort of road trip north to south in California with all the um, um, advances that farmers and grape growers have made in conserving water. And a lot of it is technology-driven uh, some of it is just awareness, uh, you know, paying attention to it, but most of it is driven by new technologies that really allow you to monitor the moisture in your soil very closely so you can know exactly when to irrigate and exactly which vines are stressed so you can pre- apply the water much more precisely. And it has brought down the water use in California agriculture by, you know, just dramatically. That's very good, and then it's a whole complicated thing, right? Because you the the uh, wasted water would eventually trickle down and fill up the aquifers, but then yeah, there is you know yes, um, but I uh, you will vis you will not visit a winery today hardly <laughs> an enlightened winery in California without them telling you that they use every drop of water twice. Um, the water that they use, like in the winery, to rinse barrels and rinse tanks, that gets um, treated, you know, purified in big aeration treatment ponds, and then that's reused in in uh, for irrigation. And the um, the orchard growers are are doing similar things. So water gets used twice, and it does, you know, end up uh, being used for irrigation. So yes, it will go back to the aquifer. And so that's a, a big part of California cuisine, right? Is it figuring out how the land works, how the weather works, and then taking what comes out of 
you know, this amazingly productive part of the world. It's the vegetable basket of North America, right? Uh, taking that and then and then figuring out how to make amazing food out of it. Because, you know, we, we don't talk that much about how part of the reason Sicilian food is so fantastic is because people were just sitting there on the ground for you know, 5,000 years kind of refining things. And But you have really been um, at the ground level where people have been kind of coming up with California cuisine, what grows, what goes together, what makes the most sense. And I feel like Wine Country Table, this book you just said, is really a uh, you know, uh, the beautiful flower at the end of that. But let's talk about, you know, California is its own thing. It's not Italy. It's not France, right? Let's talk about California a bit. You've been on the ground. How is California different than everywhere? Well, we're a very long state. And, of course, we have a lot of coastline. And so we have just an incredible array of microclimates. Um, you know, in Northern California, the, the coast is, the water's very cool up there. And so the coast is very cold and uh, cool, and we can grow cool climate vegetables like artichokes, peas, uh, uh, lettuces very well. But then as you move away from the coast inland to our great central valley, uh, we can grow crops that uh, uh, require more heat, uh, more dryness, uh, tomatoes, uh, orchard fruits like um, uh, the stone fruits like peaches and apricots and uh, nectarines, and then and figs and nut crops like almonds and walnuts. And then as you move all the way to the south, where it's quite warm and dry, we can grow kind of semi-tropical crops, semi-desert crops like uh, dates um, and avocados. So I read... A, I got a lot of fun little facts in the book, and I was looking up some of them for another project. And I read that uh, we grow more than 250 crops in the Central Valley, the San Joaquin and San um, Sacramento Valley, more than 250 crops. Yeah, the commercial crops. And then a lot of growers do these kind of micro little batches for restaurants and things like that. I know you, you've had access to some of that good stuff. Sure. A lot of that goes on in... Um, like Marin and Sonoma counties, where the farms tend to be quite small, and so they have direct relationships with with growers. Uh, we I profiled a grower in the book who's a, a, mainly a salad grower for restaurants like Chez Panisse, and so he grows unusual varieties. He grows a lot of radicchio, chicories, um, you know, herbs uh, that like. He's in the tiny little coastal valley where it's very cool. Um, in fact, the day I was over there visiting him, it was so foggy, it felt like it was raining. But that's the um, normal conditions over there, and lettuces love it. And so tell us about, you know, how did you come up with, what are your guiding principles now when you look at California cuisine? Is it a basic what grows together goes together, or is it is it something different? Well, that's definitely one of my principles. Uh, there's a lovely recipe in the book for an apricot and cherry crisp. They are in season at the same time, and they just enhance each other. Um, another example is a peach and rhubarb jam that's in the book. Peaches, I find that a peach jam or a peach preserve on its own is a little too cloying, but you put rhubarb with it, and it balances it with some tartness, and it's just so compelling. But really, Dara, I think, you know, in my mind, cooks Everywhere, but especially in California, they kind of divide along this fault line of people who are either very ingredient-driven or people who are more technique-driven. And I'm definitely on the ingredient-driven side. So when I have these gorgeous California fruits and vegetables to play with, 
um, I want to keep things really simple, and I, I think my recipes reflect that, but I'm really trying to showcase the fruit and veg- or vegetable in a creative way uh, with an you know, interesting seasoning, but not cover it up. Yeah, I put together a, a gallery of some of your just recipes that are online from your long, long career so people can get a taste of this. Um, and your roasted beet with fennel oil recipe that's on your personal JanetFletcher.com website is just like so you. It's just simple and doable and just it's it doesn't require a ton of ingredients. It's just basically fennel seeds olive oil and beets and it has such a nice uh, product at the end yeah you have to uh, what i do is crush those fennel seeds and warm them in the oil so the oil gets to be like a fennel oil then you strain it and use that to season the beets and it's just this captivating flavor but i'm also very taken with the recipe that's on the cover of wine country table which is a recipe using golden beets although you don't have to use golden beets but they're super pretty in this salad with uh, shreds of um, radicchio, or you could use red cabbage, very finely shredded, some toasted walnuts, crumbled feta, mint leaves, um, and pomegranate seeds. And it's just a sweet, tart, tangy, crunchy. It's got everything for me, but it's very simple. And from a health perspective, it is just like so many antioxidants, so much fiber. I mean, if you were if you were one of these fancy celebrities that just only eats the best things that are good for your body, like that would be that would be the recipe. That would be your life. Yeah, I certainly I think when you move to a way of cooking that's produce centric, uh, you're going to have a healthier diet. And uh, I think it's it's so easy when you. Um, get comfortable with cooking fruits and vegetables and, and beans and grains uh, to cook very healthfully with very little time investment. Yes, that's the thing. I think a, the good ingredients is kind of a lazy cook's like ace in the hole, right? Because you get the good, good in, good out. It's a, it's a pretty simple hack. All right, we got to take a little break here. We're going to come back in a minute to talk with uh, California food hero Janet Fletcher. Uh, we'll talk about a couple more things. Almonds. Very controversial <laughs> when we come back. All right. We are back with Janet Fletcher. She is a, just a hero of American food writing. She has a new book, Wine Country Table, uh, with recipes that celebrate California's sustainable harvest. And the thing I love about this book is that it kind of just knits together the fig growers with the olive growers in a way that really makes you understand what California food is with California wine. And you think like, oh, that doesn't sound like that big a deal. No, it has been really hard to come to this understanding. It has taken a lot of work. I mean, food is one of those things I feel like you're always, you're never eight hours from it, right? And so it's really hard to get a perspective on it. And and just instead of it being a hodgepodge, California is, is, is evolving towards a thing. And Janet Fletcher has has captured this in her book. So Janet, I did want to ask you about almond growers. Like from where we are, whenever I am in the you know national conversation, almonds are very uh, questionable because it's like, we love them. They're delicious. They're wonderful. Not great land use, a lot of people say. What did you actually find on the ground with California almonds? Uh, almonds, there were not one of the crops that I... Um explored in depth uh, in in the book. Um, they are in the news in recent years because people say they're water, big water users. Uh, and there was some, you know, f- 
fact floating around about how many gallons of water it takes to produce with, you know, 10 almonds or something like that. If you love almonds, <laughs> you have to give the tree what it needs to produce fruit. That's just a fact. Every tree, every plant needs a certain amount of sun, a certain amount of chill, a certain amount of water. So if, you, if we want to eat almonds, we have to give the tree what it needs. Now, that said, the almond growers I know from reading have really dramatically reduced what they use over the last 20 years. And I would just give you, but there's a limit. You know, there's only, you can only go down so far before mm-hmm. you don't have a crop. So, uh, and I know that they're actively engaged in research for how to bring that down, how low can you go, how can you apply it more efficiently. I really would encourage your listeners to go on the uh, uh, website of the California Almond Growers and take a look at what they're doing. Um, I think there's a lot of research going on, and there's just a sincere desire to grow almonds with as little water as as they can. I mean, the water costs them. They don't want to apply more than they need. Yeah, and so what are you, if you had to just pick a maybe an underappreciated low-water-use crop in California, what do you think would, would spring to mind? Well, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think wine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, wine first and foremost. Um, uh, our grape growers are really uh, applying that water drop by drop, and the result is something I know I can't live without. <laughs> yeah, and then some people, you know, in in Spain where they don't have a ton of water, they have dry farmed for thousands of years, right? Sure. And so other other people are looking at dry farming and making it work. Yeah, I visited a um, Zinfandel grower in the Sierra Foothills who is dry farming Zinfandel, uh, Larry Turley. Um, he, uh, you know, you have to get the vines established. It takes a certain amount of water to get a young vine to send its roots down and get established. But after that, you can, um, in certain soils, in certain climates, you can grow um, grapevines successfully, you know, without added irrigation. That, and, or in certain places where the water table is very high. Uh, not everybody can do it. Um, the dry farming of tomatoes is kind of a uh, thing that's happening here in California in certain zones. I didn't know that was possible. Really? It is in certain places. In others, it's just not possible. So, uh, and it's not that um, that makes that grower any less sustainable. Uh, they do what they have to do to get a crop. And uh, these days, a lot of growers are... Um, Using cover crops, this is something that wasn't done a couple of generations ago. Uh, they use cover crops to help them, um, um, you know, keep the soil in place and um, improve the texture of the soil so it retains moisture better. You used to go drive through California's orchards and vineyards, and they would be very clean under the trees and the vines. The soil would be bare. You don't see that anymore, um, uh, especially in winter. They're all growing cover crops to... Um, yeah, I hate when I see like a desert soil underneath a, uh, of you know, a thriving vine. It just tells me that they're, um, you know, <laughs> that they're applying a lot of pesticides and you know they're vulnerable to erosion. Uh, I I have been really happy to see that happening more and more. All right, we only have a few more minutes. Um, so Janet, tell me, you know, so you've been just on the ground. Uh, working in California cuisine, you know, you you were a line cook. You've written so many great things about yeah you know, everything, cheese and food. You know, what do you? This kind of feels like a like a really comprehensive 
a book that's kind of bringing all the threads of your career together. You know, on the ground in California, you know, what are you seeing that is California cuisine today? Well, you know, I, I think of this book as kind of a foodie road trip that I got to take and that I hope others will get to take either just through the pages of the book or when they come to California. Um, and what I saw as I visited these farms and vintners and grape growers was just incredible um, innovation. Uh, they're all looking for solutions to these um, problems of growing in a in a in a in a warming climate, growing with fewer resources, growing with less water and less energy. Um, and I just was came away totally inspired by the innovation that I'm seeing in California's wineries and, and farms. It's uh, And you know what else was cool, Dara? So many of these uh, growers, especially the, f- not so much the vintners, but definitely the fruit growers, the fruit and um, nut and produce growers are multi-generation fourth, fifth, sixth generation. And that tells me that young people want to stay on the farm. They're taking over their parents' business, sometimes switching the crops uh, to something more profitable. Uh, One young man has introduced, um, instead of growing peaches, they're now growing uh, olives for olive oil, very high-end olive oil. So they evolve these farms, but they're staying in family hands. And I just found that very uh, encouraging. That is fantastic. I Nobody cares about the environment more than farmers, I always say, because they're right in the middle of it. Their livelihood depends on it. All right, Janet Flesher, this has been a delight and a joy. Thank you so much. Uh, It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. That was Janet Fletcher. She's got – you can find her website at JanetFletcher.com. You can find her new book, Wine Country Table, at all the good bookstores. Take a break. Going to come back and have a few minutes to ask me anything. Uh, The text line is all filling up. I'm very excited to get to this when we come back. Dara here. All right, I've got some good texts in the queue. What are you cooking this weekend? I've got someone who's heading up to Hinkley from good old Osseo and bringing an instant pot pressure cooker to make French, (laughs) to make shrimp fettuccine Alfredo. I mean, come on, that is living large. Says, I did this once with my sister and it turned out great. They're going to be eating well in the neighborhood of Hinkley. All right, everybody, you need to, in the Hinkley area, stick your nose out the window, see if you can smell some shrimp and onions and butter and just follow that. That's a that's a good Saturday. All right, I got a texter on my planting uh, uh, question. Planted my grape tomato seeds last Sunday, first siblings up yesterday, Seeds are from plants that have been in my family for at least six decades. Holy moly. I am just, I just got like a adrenaline thrill all over. That is so cool. Your family has been nurturing these seeds for six decades. That means that, you know, it's a family tradition. You can pass those on to grandkids. People can grow those. I love that. You're a hero. All right, I got somebody who's boiling black walnut sap into syrup. I didn't know you could do that. So you're going to have a black walnut syrup like, that's different from a birch syrup or a maple syrup? All right, I am I am jealous and impressed and intrigued, and I want to see this on a menu somewhere in the Twin Cities. Black walnut syrup, that sounds wonderful. All right, I got somebody who's getting wood planter boxes. They're new, and we plan to... Put dirt directly in the box. 
Would you suggest some type of liner or paint a rubber coating? Or, well, I, the only thing I have to say about that is, you know, not good to have treated wood when you're doing a planter box. You know, you don't want kind of that arsenic soaked wood because that could get into your food. Um, so that said, uh, you know, I don't know. If you get into the whole liner situation, is it going to drain appropriately? Or I, I think this is, uh, I don't know, I would say, you know, planter boxes ha- do have to get replaced every once in a while. So you could do a, a rubber coating on the inside. Um, that probably sounds better than a liner, which would need to. But eventually, you know, but the main thing, no arsenic, no arsenic in your food. That's, that's a, I know, a radical idea. Oh, I got a text back from the black walnut syrup guy. It tastes kind of like kettle corn. I've just learned so much. All right, we're not going to have time to get to the fennel recipes of Janet Fletcher. Um, people on my Facebook page, Dara.Grumdahl, are very worked up about them. They're very happy because people love fennel. I did not know that we were having such a fennel moment. But if you go to WCCORadio.com, all the recipes are up. The fennel you know, on beets, fennel salads, uh, the fennel with orange, red onion, mint, it is just a phenomenal question. All right, I got a question. I got uh, – all right, next week we're just going to catch a lot of things next week. Nico Tonks from Fair State is going to be in to talk about their so-called hard sparkling water. And are the you know hardcore breweries really going to be able to bring in the non-beer drinkers into the tent? We'll find out. So till then, doesn't that sun feel good? I hope you get some outdoor time when the sun warms your back but doesn't burn the back of your neck. And I will meet you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.